Welcome to Very Random Encounters, a show where we play pen and paper RPGs in which we've randomly determined as many things as possible, including characters, villains, names, places, and other weirder stuff. It all comes together to be a very random encounter. I'm after Travis. I'm after Lee. I'm after Logan. And I'm after Greg. Welcome to the- I feel like we should have all read that at the same time. It would have been really fun. Wait, if, if we all said... All read the welcome to Burn. <laughs> that oh, wouldn't no. be fun. What a nightmare. Oh, be a nightmare. Audio nightmares. We're I giving you audio nightmares. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. We were, we were in space for a while. Oh, oh man, I loved that so much. It was it. so good. There were so many... There were so many breakout characters. I think this is the most, like awesome side characters we've had yeah. maybe yeah, ever. Yeah. Thanks. It's like every season I love it more. Mm-hmm. And I don't Same. know if it's just like each person being so different from each other makes yeah. it so new and fresh and good. Or like, I don't know. It's just I'm so sure bad. that we're like getting better at this, right? Yes. <laughs> I have I've been so in just in my head, I've been so like critical of like I feel like I could have done a lot better with this season, but I think y'all had fun. I think the listeners had fun, so I, I yeah. shouldn't beat myself up too much, but you yeah, did I, a great uh, job. Yeah, Thanks. I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I had so much fun. How do we want to do this? Um, well, we have a thing from Twitter that's probably a good opener. Okay. So Hugo Troito from Twitter. Hello, Afterfan here. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, I'm proud. I'm so proud of our of our fans. Yes. Uh, can you tell us what are some of the random races and backgrounds that we didn't get to see? Also, were the little V droids randomized, and what were the other possibilities? So it's probably a good start to talk about all the random stuff you had to create, Travis. Sure, let's start with, uh, I'll answer those questions in particular first, and then I'll go into all the, just how the randomness went, uh, and what happened, and what <laughs> caused this stupid story <laughs> about a car. Um, okay, let me pull up the sheet that has all of the different races so uh as i mentioned in the beginning of the of the season if you remember way back when i mentioned that uh uncharted worlds the game we've been playing doesn't have any like alien or it doesn't have a race system it just uses the origin and and careers system because it assumes you're playing as humans because it assumes you're telling stories about humans in space uh but I didn't want to do that because it's cool when people get to be aliens in a show where you randomly determine what everyone is. So to answer the question directly, there were four different categories that I made, uh, broad categories of what people could be. And then within each of those categories, I made one, two, three, four, five varieties. So that's a total of 20 possibilities. The four categories were uh, human Within human, uh, that was one of them. Within human, uh, I have, an, if you roll the one, it's human-ass human. There's nothing <laughs> science fiction-y about you other than that you're in a sci-fi setting. We have cybernetic human, if you roll the two. Rolling a three gets you an alien-slash-human descendant, and in that case, you are half-human, and then I would have you roll again on one of the alien, on the two alien categories to determine what kind of 
uh, half alien you are. That's what Buatrol ended up being. He ended up being half human and half alien fungus. If you rolled a four, and I'm very disappointed that this didn't c- come up, uh, you would have been a tiefling, the Dungeons and Dragons Ooh. race. Oh, snap. Uh, I put that in there. Y- y- one of the things that like can- comes up a tiny bit in the season is this idea of uh, magic kind of coming back in this far future. You get that once when I mention uh, that one of Lyrian's red shirts is a magical construct, not a robot. Um, and then you get it again with just everything about O'Hare, right? Um, yeah. I wanted stuff in there because from the beginning I, I knew like, okay, if I'm telling what the far future is and we have that, we always vaguely gesture to all of VRE taking place in one timeline. I wanted mm-hmm. to like seed the idea that like, you know, this technological future Time could fall. is a flat circle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That this sort of technological future could fall and, and magic could come back. So that's the idea oh. there. Uh, and then if you rolled a five, I was disappointed this didn't come up either. You would be an immortal, uh, which <laughs> in my head, it's like these this type of person ha- had always been there. Like they're a one in a trillion chance that as a human, you were born and you just didn't age past adulthood. Um, but if you think about it, in the far future, there would be a higher percentage of those people than <laughs> in the past, right? Because they don't die of old age. Yeah. Then I should go faster than this. The, the rest of them shouldn't take as long. The second column were animal-like aliens. So we had fish person, uh, mammalian <laughs> alien, bird person, reptile alien, and insectoid alien. We saw a lot of those. Uh, mm. Fourth column was I have labeled as weird-ass alien. We have... <laughs> Liquid life, which I don't think came up. Uh, plant alien, which I don't think came up. Alien fungus, which came up twice. Uh, once with yep. uh, Schuler and once with Buatrol. Slime person and then uh, rock <laughs> alien, uh, which like uh, Ram Remington was. And then originally, I also had the option of uh, sentient gas cloud in there. And then I realized that, that I, I, I was like... If I got that as a player, that would be very intimidating to me. <laughs> so it's some of the NP, like uh, one of the Karma Order agents is still left over from when that race was in the rolling chart. So you saw Flawed, uh, not Flawed Grandma, the other one, uh, Impure Shark was yeah. Sentient Gas Cloud. And then the last column was Synthetic Life, so anything robot-like. And there I had Ancient Sentient Robot, which was Prelia. That's why they were all gears and stuff. Uh, Android that was built and Bill of Liberty ended up being that robot that gained sentience. I don't think we had that like machine that gained sentience. I should say Uh, magical construct. That was one of the red shirts. And then I think we saw in the teacher's lounge, I think we saw a brain in a bot. And so those are all the options for races that you could have been or that NPCs could have been. It's weird because we saw so many of them. Yeah, Yeah, you saw a lot of many. We interacted with a lot of people. Uh, so that was fun to come up with, and it was fun to roll those whenever I needed an NPC. Most NPC, almost all NPCs, if I had, I, I thought there was even a chance that, you know, they would be in another scene, I would roll on the race table to see what they were. Um, there are some exceptions, like 
early on when I was making NPCs, I hadn't made it yet. So some of them are just, I went on like alien, random alien generators online. That's where uh, the two invisible NPCs, uh, Mosleev and Vasil, came from. They were just random weird alien generators Mm -hmm. online. They weren't part of that uh, chart, but... So what about the, um, what was it, the V-shaped? Oh, yeah, yeah. V-shaped things. Little V-droids. So I cheated there. They aren't randomly generated. I know, I know, I broke the rules. (gasps) I know. But uh, they literally came to me in a dream. (laughs) All right, that's pretty random. That's random enough. So I, like, had to put it in there, because I was, like, really struggling with, like... So this was um, before... You all had the episode where you, um, where you sort of like bamboozled Impure Shark into thinking some red shirts were Carol, mm. um, and I I thought for sure we were going to have a space battle in the next episode, and I was like, <laughs> shit, I don't know what it looks like when a Karma order ship attacks you. Like I don't like what are the, what does that look like? And you know I was, you know, talking to, and I'll get to this later. I was talking to the person that helped me make. Uh, that faction helped me make the karma order and we couldn't really figure it out. And I was like stressing over it and thinking about it as I was falling asleep. And apparently in doing so I started, uh, in, in my dream, I, I dreamt of this, uh, flap, this white flapping V shaped thing that walked around, sort of moved like claymation and spun around, uh, drilling into things. And that terrified me. And so I had to put it in my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's sufficiently random. Can we talk about how great it is that we came up with a show idea for these people that, like, go around killing things and then, like, really just were like, no, we don't really like to kill things. (laughs) Except for for Carol. Hey, now. Yeah, Carol does. (laughs) Um, uh, I think one of the questions, uh, there's a... There's a question that relates to we we can transition. Isn't there a question in there that's like yeah yeah about hey, yeah. what about uh, about the system and combat and stuff? I think that's a good dovetail into that question. Uh, let's see. Uh, that's from Adam. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Do you prefer role playing systems with or without combat? This season and the Cthulhu season had much less encounters than the Marvel or D&D shows. They seemed to rely more on dialogue to push the plot along, which was entertaining, but I felt like the other two opened themselves up for more dice rolling, which led to more randomness and more unexpected situations, i.e. red mines fail at the coffee shop and the steam babies. Oh, God, the steam babies. (laughs) I've enjoyed all the seasons, but those first two were my favorite. Have you also noticed this or is it just me? So there, are, I would have two responses, three responses to that, I guess. There's sort of three factors that made the season kind of light on combat. One is the system itself. Um, if you look at how Uncharted Worlds, if you look at the moves in how combat works in Uncharted Worlds, getting even a seven to nine, even a mixed success says like, Okay, you win the combat. There are repercussions, but you win the combat. And that's one role, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like that first episode where y'all were fighting the locust things, like in if you were playing Dungeons and Dragons or whatever or like, you know, Space Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> you can imagine that fight taking a, like a couple episodes, you know? Um mm-hmm. yeah. 
And that's totally cool. And that's like a totally cool way of telling stories. But as I was looking through the book, I just felt like it wouldn't be true to how how the game views how much combat is in it. Uh, like, I feel like I should be true to how, mu- how much of an emphasis the game puts on combat itself. And, and I didn't feel like reading through the rule book that it really wanted us to spend that much time on combat. So, yeah. So I didn't set up as many encounters as if I had were prepping like a D&D session. So that like that's my first answer. My second answer is I prepped so many combat encounters that you three <laughs> motherfuckers just talked your way out of. <laughs> I was like, OK, the, the way things are going, that impure shark thing, you're definitely going to get a space battle with karma order. Nope. You talked your way out of that. Um, you're definitely going to have uh, a fight with uh, uh, with Frankie and Delilah over the red shirts. And it's like, no, you just opted to like go in there and explain the situation uh, <laughs> and talk your way out of it. And then, okay, you're definitely going to have a combat encounter uh, with Igrez in the basement. And it's like, no, you just threatened her and... And you rolled really well, um, and you called in a favor. Actually, you called in a favor. That's that's what yeah. helped you there. Um, and like the list, the list goes on, right? Like of all of these places where I thought, like, okay, this episode is mostly going to be a combat encounter, and it almost never was. So that's sort of my my second answer. And, and at, at a point, I was like, okay, I get it. Like the players are having more fun in this season talking their way out of fights than actually fighting them. And I I think a I think that sometimes there is a risk of like always kowtowing to what the players want to do because you want to make sure you're challenging them. But on the other hand, you also want to make sure that you're allowing players to solve problems in the way they want to solve them. And it just became clear to me like that with the three characters you were playing, it it, it was more interesting to y'all to solve those problems in that way. So I was fine with letting you solve them in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I like... I mean, I felt like Shift Nine's arc was like he got more and more disdain for violence anyway. So yeah. talking was kind of always what I wanted to do more. And the third answer is that um, I don't run combat encounters that well. I lose track of, you know, if I were running this in like, what's that path? Starfinder? Is that what that's Starfinder. called? Yeah, if I was running this in like Starfinder, ninety percent of the podcast would be like, would be me going like, "Oh fuck, whose turn is it in the initiative order?" Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm not great at that sort of thing, so it wouldn't have been fun to listen to. Like, Greg and Logan are super good at at running uh, combat encounters like that, so that's probably why their their seasons have <laughs> have longer combat than uh, mine did, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just not great at it, so I didn't want... When we have a listening audience, I didn't want to be like, all right, now you're going to have to suffer through the thing I'm not so good at doing. I mean, the um, good news uh, about our show is that like we have incredible variety yeah. between yeah. seasons because of the differing uh, systems and G- GMs, so... Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I, I... I can't say that I prefer systems with or without combat i love combat in stories where combat is important to the world yeah like D mm. is very much got that sort of survivalist you instinct. must fight to live 
And yeah. superheroes, that is the <clears throat> nature of superheroes to punch yeah. things. <laughs> like, that's a core superhero thing. And so it's really easy to look at those systems and say, you know, these are built for quick, fast combat, and there should be combat, and that's a valid way of going through it. But it's just also there are other systems, like ones that I'm looking at now, where combat is not ideal. Like it, that's not that's not the focus of the story. So I like them both. Um, I certainly like participating in combat. I love you know coming up with things to do in combat, both in this system, you know, in our show, also in real life. But sometimes combat is also hard to portray without people seeing, you know, w- without a lot of visual aids. Sometimes combat is very difficult. So, it, yeah, I think we all look at systems that not only work well, just are fun to play, but also work well in this sort of altered format that we have to play them in. Yeah, you, you we do have to keep in mind that like. For a podcast, for listeners, we want the show to be entertaining the whole time, and combat is really tough to make entertaining the whole time. Yeah, I think, and I think what's where, and I think people hear that a lot of times when you know a lot of shows do this sort of like after show type type thing where they're talking about. Um, mm-hmm what they've done and and I and I feel like other shows have had had similar questions to that of like but and a lot of people say well no I I really like listening to the those long combat encounters and then there are an equal number of of people that don't even bother listening to th- those shows because they're like you know I like the jokes but I I they lose me when, <laughs> when they spend <laughs> yeah. all this time in combat so it's a um it's a toss up your 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 pleasing some listeners and you're alienating others. So I think with, with our show, since we're changing genres so often, I think it's um, only suitable that we have some that are, you know, tactical combat heavy seasons and some that are not that. Yeah. I I mean, it's going to always boil down to what random story are we trying to tell? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, uh, Preview alert, but there's going to be like, definitely a lot of combat it's just the nature of what's coming up next i figured uh, <laughs> uh, do we want to uh check in with this next question from hugo asked should i read it yeah, yeah yeah go ahead hugo says hello gang i'm a fairly recent fan and as such i marathoned all the episodes in a few weeks and noticed greg's catchphrase and i don't mean <laughs> and i'm greg i'm talking about oh that's real good oh that's real good <laughs> <laughs> You're probably thinking that's actually just Gavidnit. Gavidnit's catchphrase, uh, but if I'm not mistaken, Greg says it on every season, including the many in-between seasons, excluding the ones uh, he is DM'd, I, although he might okay, have said it I, on Superheroes. I highly doubt that there has been a season where Greg didn't say this. I highly yeah. <laughs> Uh, what I wanted to ask is if this happens subconsciously, is it something Greg just says in his day to day? Did it start with Gavidnit? Uh What's the sitch, Greg? So I tend to pick up phrases from the media that I'm consuming. Uh-huh. I'm the same and, way. Yeah. And I want to say I picked it up from my brother, my brother and me, or from the Adventure Zone, somewhere in there. Um, and then 
consciously changed it into something that I am more comfortable saying. And I just like saying, oh, that's real good. <laughs> I like how that feels. I mean, it is a conscious choice. I did pick it up and became aware that I've at, you know, like we sort of go, oh, gosh, I've been saying that a lot recently in my regular life. And I decided, you know, that's not a terrible thing. It's yeah. No, it's it's enjoyable. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, just a Greg catchphrase. And you it, got a bunch of them. Yeah. But I, I you know, I I think Gubidin it it's it's also a very much a Midwestern thing. Well mm, but it's yeah. more much like Minnesotans very oh that oh that's good. But then I wanted to make it a little different. Oh that oh that's real good. Oh yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um because I wanted to not have like Gubidnit was very Minnesotan and you're from Minnesota, there's a lot of things that he says that are like, ooh, sick burn, because we're so passive aggressive. <laughs> um <laughs> So I wanted to take, also consciously wanted to take some of the passive out of that by adding in the real part. Like, oh, yeah, it's real good. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, it's a mixture of a bunch of things. But I, I picked it up more from a lot of just, I added a bunch of new podcast. You know, I found, and it's not that much of a surprise, but like last year, I found listening to heavy podcasts with everything else that was going on in the world in my own personal life. I just had to turn to things that were much more comedic just yeah. so I had an outlet. And that affected a lot of my speech patterns and just how I started to affect the like mm. what I wanted to put out in the world. And it all kind of came from that. So it's not completely subconscious. There were choices made into it, but now it's very much my habit. So it's now just a thing that comes up <laughs> as a thing I go to. It's, there you go. And I like it. I like it too. It's real good. <laughs> it is real good. <laughs> um, should I keep reading, or do we want to take turns reading? How do we want to do this? Uh, do I think I think we should bit? do the la- yeah. I was gonna say we should do the last question like towards yeah. the very end. Um, and then yeah, let's let's talk about some more stuff. What do you want to talk about with characters? I mean, so what do we normally talk about yeah, like like what brought about shift nine? What brought about shift? Yeah, nine? like what um, what fed into shift nine? Well, um, the random like the roles were they just seemed to imply somebody who was unsatisfied with themselves and then like went through extreme steps to change that you know mm-hmm. so i thought that somebody like at the end of that they'd be very proud of who they were to the point of you know like higher being is is kind of like you said when we were doing the show that says everything you need to know about shift nine right at the beginning there that he's uh pretty full of himself um or it thinks highly he thinks very highly of himself because yeah. He's worked so hard to be a perfect version of of what he wants. Um, But then so, I don't know. I've played some characters who are sort of like Blodwin was completely not confident at all. And um, Baron Rock uh, was just like gaining his own confidence and finding who he wanted to be. Um, But Shift 9, I wanted to play somebody who was just like, no, this is who I am. This is completely who I am. Yep. I love this. Yep. I can't. I love getting up every day. Like when the when uh, Egres was like, "You ever feel down?" No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of my favorite moments. 
<laughs> no. No, I'm good. We're real good. Um, but then um, I think that something else that comes with that is if you think really highly of yourself, you sort of start neglecting relationships with other people. So I think the whole season was sort of Shift 9 realizing um, that he had friends that he actually cared about and uh, uh, like a home. He could have a home that that he cared about. And specifically, as soon as O'Hare came into the picture, like like that that was like seeing that there were thoughts going on in that amulet um just it was it was like he was having those thoughts of like other people matter and like that if that thing's thinking then that matters and i need to figure out what this thing's deal is and then that sort of became a catalyst to just be like you know i i just want to have my my ship family yeah and and retire basically <laughs> so yeah what That's about, what I thought about Shift Nine. What about Lirian? Um, she she was so um dualistic. Is that the word I'm looking for? That yeah. she had, she had a, a duality, um, mm-hmm. because she was really educated and smart and really into helping people, but she had like this really shady background. And I think I struggled with Lirian for a long time because I didn't know. I couldn't figure out like what would drive her. Like, why would she make the decisions that she makes? Um, and I think it took like right to the very end, which I, I enjoyed playing her, but I still struggled with, especially in the very beginning, even just playing the game, like knowing, deciding how would Lyrian react to the situation or what would she yeah. do here? Mm-hmm. Because I was just like, I don't know. Like, I, I almost. <laughs> I almost see that as like a struggle that she, the character had herself too, though. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like that's, I, yeah, that's why I wanted to have that. I wanted. That's why I wanted to have the conversation with uh, Candid Geyser. Like that's why she asks, like, wh- like why do you, you know, you're this, you know, scientist who saved so many people's lives. Why are you, you know, why do you paint yourself as the the scoundrel? Like I, I think Lyrian as a person is like. Yeah she also doesn't know how to reconcile that duality. And I think at the end of the story, like where you say that she like builds like those hospitals and things, I th- I think she's found a way that she like in a way, like hospital work is, is more um, on the ground work where your, your background as a scoundrel is actually helpful, even though it is in the more academic sort of chemistry side of things. Like I think, that that's work that sort of reconciles those two things. But I sort of saw Lyrian as a person who, you know, even though she's this really like cool and um, uh, centered figure, at least from the outside, that there are two sides of her that maybe she doesn't know how to reconcile. Yeah, yeah, because I think she just the how I ended up doing it or thinking about her in the end was just she does what seems good. And I don't mean like good in the alignment sense, but just like good for her. Like yeah. mm-hmm. what seems like the best thing to do in the moment yeah. and doesn't really plan through like, what are the consequences of me doing this? Yeah, She's just kind of like, yeah, let's do this. This seems good. <laughs> and what about Carol? Uh, 
He's a good boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Carol was both like not complicated and extremely complicated at times. I sort of envisioned from just, you know, we kind of when we rolled what he was and it was like, oh, he's space black water. Um, Yeah. Like that very much informed me about. So who is this? Who is this? person that decides to to become a space mercenary but also knows how to to build things um and i think from there i just sort of made the realization that he's just he's very much a straightforward thinker a lot of the time like he has no problem with violence he has no problem with you know if it's got to get blowed up it's got to get blowed up <laughs> and you know it in his mind, it's probably better that he does it because he understands the actual consequences and the choices that go into it. Like, for as much as he's gun-toting and um, just willing to take the violent route out, I think in every option, in his mind, he was like, okay, is it actually right to take this person out? And then probably, yeah. But at the same time, it's, you know, in his conversation with, like, the sharks, like, okay, the right action for you guys is to come and violently take your stuff back, but maybe don't. <laughs> like, maybe that's actually not the right answer in this case. And, like, this is why. Because I think very much when I hit on his background of, you know, basically the only reptile person on the planet who was just living as a colonist to being kind of thrust into having to defend his home and that profound change of, you know, I, he finally found the one thing he's really good at and that's quickly coming up with things to hurt people. Um, and then ultimately having everybody say, yeah, that's great, but you can't do that here anymore made him, I think, spend much of his time and much of my time in the game thinking about, okay, so how much does he see that as a solution in this particular case? Um, But he's also not, you know, he's also just generally only good at the things he's good at. And everything else takes too much effort. Like... (laughs) <laughs> I like Carol knows email and that's, <laughs> that's what he can do. And he can uh-huh. successfully get that out in that method. Like <laughs> it's still like him being introduced to space bit Moji and like that taking over his entire consciousness for a while. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to figure this out cause it's kind of cool, but I have no idea how it works. Like whenever, I kind of, whenever I finally get around to drawing our characters for the season, they are definitely in the style of Bitmotion. <laughs> you know, and I think it like I hinted at it when like he just didn't know how to work the utensils at Invisible. Yeah. Like, he's the person that when people say, Oh, it's so easy, it just works, he's that person that says, No, it it doesn't, because it's not that easy. Yeah. Mm. Like it's that easy if you just accept it as it is and he can't (laughs) like it's just not a thing like his brain doesn't work in that way and that very much informed who he was and i think 
I, I hope it came through in the season, but also that his experiences outside of what he's good at are extremely limited. Mm. Like he was hired on the show as a bodyguard and he loved doing that and he's really good at it. Um, I also wanted to kind of express that he's also really good at construction. Like he was a colonist. He did build those houses. Like those are his things that he's good at and he's never had to go beyond that. And very few people have ever looked at him and expected him to go beyond that. And he's perfectly fine with that. I think it came to a head, though, when here was this. Like, I think he saw a lot of himself in O'Hare, which is why he just didn't <laughs> want to be around. Like, I was thrust into a violent life and it it is now my life. And maybe O'Hare should be something different. Like, I think he saw very much his own reflection in O'Hare, and that's that's where that came from. Hey, it's Travis from the future. I just realized that one of the things we don't end up mentioning in this after show is anything about how O'Hare came to be. And since Greg just mentioned O'Hare, and because O'Hare is my favorite NPC that happened in this season, I'm gonna talk to you alone in the dark, because I don't have the lights on for some reason, about O'Hare as I'm editing this episode, and you're gonna hear it right now. So, if you recall, O'Hare kind of happened because Logan decided to have a scene in that one episode where all the players were dictating who they wanted to have a scene with, and Logan said he wanted to have a scene with the amulet, so some of my, some of what I had already planned for the amulet had to change, um, so I'll tell you what the roles had for the amulet to begin with, and then I'll tell you how I made some additional roles to adjust that circumstance when Logan made that decision. So when I was originally setting up the season, I needed to have a reason for all of the factions to get involved. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. I'll tell you how, uh, for the other ones, but I was having a lot of trouble figuring out why the invisible would care at all about, you know, some scarlet shark outpost in the middle of nowhere. So I decided that I would go on a sci-fi MacGuffin generator and just generate some technologically advanced thing that they would want. And that's how the invisible would get involved in the plot. So I went on a sci-fi MacGuffin generator and I got a mental frequency lens. It's just the title. It just spat out a title of the thing. So I just had to brainstorm what that meant. And to me, mental frequency lens meant some sort of object that would allow you to uh, change mental frequencies and change brainwaves and things. And because I wanted to have little hints to all the other seasons, I thought it would be really funny if that little item that plays sort of just a, a, a a plot role like a MacGuffin if that were the same amulet as in the Dungeons and Dragons season um, so that but it was still, still kind of that bit of it was still kind of in the background so that if you hadn't listened to our D&D season it wouldn't it wouldn't matter you would still get just as much out of the season but if you had you would have that little uh, experience of recognition of oh I wonder if that's the same amulet 
And so in my head, because magic is kind of coming back in this far future, this amulet that was broken countless millennia ago by the heroes of the D&D season, uh, the, the, I won't spoil what, what happens in the D&D season, um, but uh, some of the energy of the thing in there in the D&D season, uh, in my head, sort of would come back a little bit, and that's what causes this amulet to be a mental frequency lens. But in my head, it was just like the remnants of that thing. And then when Logan said he wanted to have a conversation with it, I knew I had to go a different direction with it because I didn't want it to be... I never want, and we never want, those little references to other seasons to become important to the plot in any way because we want to make sure that you can listen whenever to whatever season. So I had to pivot a little bit. I, I still think there's like a fan theory way you can make it make sense. There's a headcanon that you can have that can make it all uh, make sense, but I'll leave that to fans. But uh, So what I did is I thought there's some magical creature, some magical powerful creature that's sort of been incubating in this amulet for a long time. And as magic is awakening, um, maybe it's starting to wake up too. And I, that in my split second thought about that, it kind of reminded me of a baby and the name I rolled when I went to uh, random God name generator was O'Hare God of children. So that kind of just, um, solidified that thought in my head so oh here's a god that's fun uh anyway that's o'hare now back to the rest of the after show just thought you'd like to know that see ya Y'all want to hear more of the randomized stuff? Yeah. yeah. Do, we, do we want to start with more randomized stuff, or do we want to get into the... Do you want to hear how the, the story the was randomized, around. or do you want to hear about the yeah, factions? The story, yeah. Story first. Yeah, give, me the, give me the story. Um, I've It's taken all of my restraint not to just tell you how the story <laughs> came to be, because it's given me life ever since then, and this season was 16 weeks long and so forth. <laughs> um, longer than that. Uh, well, so I guess backstory is, um, you know, we have always rolled, for this first cycle, we rolled to see who would GM next, and so I always had in my back pocket, I was like, Okay, if things pop off, I'm ready. So this season mm. had had like in my head it was always sci-fi because I had never run a sci-fi game. I like science fiction. Um, but I hadn't, you know, I didn't do any of the random roles. So at one point it was, I was like how funny it would be if I ran um Dark Heresy, the Warhammer 40K uh tabletop role-playing game and then I remembered that um I hate running combat. So I was like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Um, and so eventually landed on Uncharted Worlds and it's this sort of like, uh, more pulpy sci-fi thing, sort of, uh, like, um, I don't know, you listen to the season, you, you know what the game <laughs> yeah. feels like. Um, and so I went on like a sci-fi adventure story generator. I think I have, do I have it bookmarked on this computer? Weird, I must not have bookmarked that one, but it came up with just like sci-fi plot generator or something like that. And uh, 
the one I found uh, spat out, for some reason, every time you cycle it through, it, w- it would send out two results. And <laughs> I was like, well, I just need the one. <laughs> but I, the, the things it gave me were really good in fitting. Like one was like a really discrete event and the other was kind of more nebulous. So I was like, okay, I can use the discrete event one as like inciting action. And then I can link it to the more general one that is then going to be the main plot then. So the inciting action was a platoon of intelligent insects attack an oil refinery on Titan. <laughs> wow. So that happened. Um, yeah. And then <laughs> <laughs> the other one, and I don't even have this in front of me. I just remember it word for word because of course I do. And you'll know why when I say it. The other one was. A soldier falls in love with their car, and their forbidden love causes a war. <laughs> um, and I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, that's too fucking good. Uh, wow. Man, you made that happen, though. And so, uh, at first, so... Um, so then I like rolled for setting like Titan is already a real place. So I couldn't like fake too many things about that. So for Ariana prime, I did a random planet generator and I got the name Ariana uh, planet name generator and got Ariana prime. And then I rolled random details for the planet and got that, uh, there was a poisonous atmosphere and that, um, the other detail was that it had, um, I think the wording was like abandoned spaceships or something like that. And so that's what I molded into the spaceships are the homes in daydream station. Mm-hmm. And the idea of daydream station is this weird 1950s uh, American dream utopia thing didn't uh, crystallize until. Um, so when I had rolled all the factions, I was struggling to like, figure out the the faction system from what I've seen is the thing that people maybe criticize uh, have criticized uncharted worlds for the most. Like it talks it like it talks about it. Like it's this big part of the game. And yet it's like, there's so few mechanics that actually relate to the factions that it's hard to implement them. So, and I actually kind of found that struggle myself as I was planning out the plot. I was like, why do these factions give a shit about (laughs) this person falling in love with their car? And then I remembered that the text said a soldier falls in love with their car and their forbidden love causes a war. And I looked at the list of factions and one was called the Scarlet Shark Soldiers. (laughs) And they were already a faction that was like this, you know, uh, anti-capitalist redistributing wealth faction. And I was like, and, and so I talked to the person that helped me make scarlet sharks and i was like hey what uh what do you think about this it says soldier in the title and uh and and he was like i guess i'll just say my brother dj you can follow him at (laughs) dj wheeler on twitter uh he uh helped me flesh out the scarlet sharks and he was like oh they would totally be opposed to that idea of obsession with one's own personal uh belongings so they would uh that would that would be uh tantamount to to blasphemy to the scarlet shark so <laughs> that's kind of where that whole idea came from 
That's amazing. Yeah. It really like that. Uh, man, what a beautiful story. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you mentioned the faction, like the that DJ did the the sharks. So. What about the factions? What about the factions? Okay, so the book has its own way to generate factions. Um, it has you generate two adjectives and a noun. They're like tables that you roll on to generate them. Um, I have them written down, but I think I have it all memorized anyway. Let me... Uh, but I can pull that up. Um, so there are four factions, and I had three people help me with them and I just took the last one. Um, so we'll start with Scarlet Shark since we were just talking about them. For each one I used a different name genera- generator on fantasynamegenerators.com for Scarlet Sharks I think I did um, it was like Squadron Name Generator or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. They were a uh, the the words that I generated from the Uncharted Worlds table for them was rapacious uh, criminal organization. Uh, I had to look up what rapacious meant. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what the word was, uh, but it, it was some word that meant like took things <laughs> like <laughs> they took things from people. Um, criminal because, you know, they're not like they kind of act as a government themselves, but they're seen as like these sort of, uh, terrorists or whatever, uh, organization isn't that, um, isn't super descriptive, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then the name was Scarlet Shark Soldiers, and in the same way during the superhero season where I heard Red Mind, and I was like, oh, that reminds me of communism. When my when I went when my brother was looking at the list to pick from, he pick and he picked the Scarlet Shark Soldiers. He was thinking of a it's either a metal or a hardcore song that's called like Red Sharks or something that's about like uh uh like communist pirates or something like that and he kind of <laughs> took that idea and ran with it for the scarlet sharks and then uh based on the like the rapacious uh adjective thought of the idea that like what they do is they like they're pirates who are they're like communist pirates redistributing the wealth and he was the one who had the idea of them having this like oral tradition of all of these uh this really long manifesto that they uh that they all like memorize and abide to. That was, that was all him. Um, I really liked all the, all the detail of the factions. Yeah, the factions were yeah. real great. And all of that is like the people that helped me make them. Like it, I was very happy that I had that idea because like, otherwise all the factions feel like something I made as opposed to um, <laughs> these different groups that inhabit this very different universe, you know, like they all have their own personality and that's because different people made each one fable or no, I'll do fable last uh, the invisible. My fiance Carly helped me make the invisible. They were uh, honorable high tech legion. High tech is pretty obvious. They're all about that technology Legion kind of refers to their like um, how like ordered they are, but also how like they're kind of insular, right? Like you have to be able to make it in to be able to benefit uh, is sort of what she got from Legion. Um, And then honorable, like they're shady in that, like they're only making a good life for the people who can afford entering into their areas, but they also they're they're not fable right like they're not going to invade your planet like mm. they're kind of just like neoliberal hell as opposed to 
neo-colonialist hell that fable is you know <laughs> you know that they're 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 not like yeah they're not colonialist uh they're they stick to themselves mostly invisible probably had the least screen time out of the four just because because we didn't have any debt right uh it was actually karma order that you didn't have any debt with oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. invisible like their hook was like we want you to get the thing and i guess that's kind of just that that was the hook that I had for them, like is that they wanted the amulet, and I guess that's not like super sticky of a uh, of a hook, right? And also there wasn't anyone. Well, there was someone. There was a contact uh, that I mentioned, like oh, there's someone from the invisible on on a on the planet next door. If you want to talk to them, and it, that just never happened, so they weren't on screen as much. Then Karma Order was my co-host on Got It Memorized, my Kingdom Hearts recap podcast. Uh, Joe, <laughs> uh, she made um, the Karma Order. They were, what were they? Uh, they were a controlling mercenary network called the Karma Order. The name kind of says it all already, um, but add in controlling, and I think that that shows that like. That they have this system of this like point system. Um, that's where that idea came from. Not just like basing it on your good deeds and your bad deeds, but actually like assigning a score to that. That sort of came from that controlling adjective. Uh, mercenary is the detail that you know they they do like you know judge whoever has the lowest points or whatever, but they'll bump someone up in the pecking order if. An outside group pays them to do so. That's how they earn their money. And then, yeah, the last noun uh, order doesn't... Uh, or controlling... Oh, oh, network. That's what it was. Controlling mercenary network. Uh, network kind of described how they were, like, a little bit, like, decentralized. Like, sure, they have, like, bosses or whatever, but it's more just, like, these agents kind of act independently. Um, mm. Fable was the one that I did myself. They were a defiant expansionist council, uh, <laughs> which that was the one that was most like uh, most puzzling, I think, which is probably the why it was the one that no one picked when I was offering yeah. it to the people around me to, hey, hey, which which one of these do you have an idea for? But I was glad that I ended up with it because um, I'm happy with how Fable turned out. I think they're interesting. Defiant is what clued me into their like really their like radical individualism that like everybody gets to choose whatever they want fuck you if you say like <laughs> i don't want this like you get to have exactly what you want that's how like defiant read to me uh expansionist like we kind of see that in the finale and we see that all over like they're just they they just are gonna build their influence take over more planets they're always doing that um and then council kind of Council to me describes a, a governments with multiple people, so I kind of thought of that as that's why uh, there's fable has that element of like bureaucracy. Is there? There's like as uh, I got that from that last word council. Yeah, those are the factions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I was talking for a long time there. I am fading fast, so oh. <laughs> let's. Um, so we have one more question, and then we should probably talk about next season. Cool. Uh, it says, this is from Tommy H. Have y'all considered playing Fate Core? 
I think it might be my favorite system, but I understand that it might not work in a podcast setting. I love what you all are doing. Keep up the good work. I guess I didn't have to read that part, but I did. <laughs> um, hey, thanks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a system, and I'll, I don't know if I'm ever going to use it or not, but I will say it. But I have a fate-based system. Um, it's called the Breakfast Cult, <laughs> um, which I, I love, but... It's a Cthulhu season again, so oh. I have to sort of look at It'll it. Be a while. It it, it it will probably come up back up in the rotation, but like, there's no way I'm touching like the near perfection that was already the Cthulhu season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yes, I mean, I have looked at fate systems, but I mean, we'll probably get to it eventually. I I do like the system, and we've proven that we can make just about any system probably work. So I'm I don't think. Mm-hmm necessarily scared away from it but i just haven't found the right time or system to bring yeah. it in yeah cool um so what do we want to talk about with next season i mean i don't know what do we i guess cat's out of the bag it's you it's Logan. yeah it's me oh can i say one more can i say one more thing yes about- yeah the randomization all of the different factions had different uh types of name generators whatever not super interesting the one that's very interesting someone sent us a while ago uh a list of uh, a neural network tried to was was fed a whole bunch of halloween costumes and spat out what its best attempt at making more halloween costumes that's where <laughs> fable names came from that's why in the faction intro episode <laughs> the character's name is fairy batman and that's nice. why bill of liberty is called bill of liberty <laughs> 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 okay i'm done that's amazing do we do we want to do a preview of next season or anything or or say what we're going to do but we always say like what the next full season is going to be yeah yeah so uh it will be d6 um and the generic version d6 used to be like originally it was star wars it was the star wars system but it uses only d6 but one of them was a wild die and the wild die is really wild and lets crazy things happen like basically any role is possible and additionally it's gonna be anime as fuck so <laughs> when you've been describing um, it to us, you've also been describing it as like it's magical it's like, youngster anime. Yeah, specifically, right? it's like it's like a a magic high school, yeah. um, sort of tale. So that should be fun. That's uh, exciting. Um, I'm pumped. I have a question: Are we just gonna mm. do it in? the order that we rolled the first time. So is it going to be like Logan and then Greg and then something that I'll do and then Travis again? Probably. Uh, probably. Yeah. Okay. I think unless that's... you don't want to GM next cycle. Cause I know you I didn't have a, don't think I want to, but I think there's room for maybe doing something. I don't know. I mean, I haven't thought about or it. Or something lot, short. But... Who knows? Maybe yeah. you just do a shorter seat. Yeah. Something. Yeah, sure. Something. Yeah. I mean, we got time. Yeah. We gotta get through whatever bullshit I put y'all through. Yeah. And yeah. We, and given that every season has been longer than the previous, like it'll be like, like four years. Hey, I like let's take a time out to say like this is like we've described this as our first cycle, but like Bravo gang. Yeah, we, we all did a great job. We did. I love this show so much. Yeah. And I love y'all so much. And this show's too. great. Everything's great.
You're all cool. the best. Did you all have fun going to space? I loved going yeah, to space. I had a blast. Yeah, I really it did. ruined my plans to run Star Wars. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, that was in the docket, but not anytime soon. <laughs> All right, right. who's going to take us out? Oh, what do we do? Can't we just be like, bye, y'all. We did a thing. Yeah, Yeah. you know, find us on all the things. (laughs) Yeah. You you know, you know, we got to find us. It's late. I closed time.is. What? Who am I? <laughs> Had that website open for four fucking months. <laughs> closed it twice. I'm recording as well. Uh, do we want to clap at 50? 50. Yeah. yeah. That was so um, oh. stressful for me because I had I had to burp and I had to. I, mean, I was like trying to tell my body, okay, you need to do something at fifty, but it can't be burp. It can't be a burp. Burps are for fifty-two. Burp. Go 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 go. Oh, it's gone. Update for anybody who wasn't here. I killed the spider. Yay! Oh yeah! What a champion. <laughs>